It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 0457 736 736. Time to chat all things NFL with our great mate Laurie Horish from ESPN. He's on the line right now. Morning, Laurie. Morning. Great to be back on with you. Uh, we were talking about Chrissy Gifts and, you know, memorabilia stuff for the man cave and whatever. If you could ask for one thing, I thought I'd bring this up with you because Dan wants the football Tom Brady threw his last touchdown with. Any idea where that might be? Probably in Tom's house somewhere. Where it might be, yeah, you'd think it would have made its way to uh, to somebody's house uh, or to, to his mantle. Um, and uh, look, I imagine it's a pretty packed mental place that he's got there. Um, I know that his last touchdown pass, uh, unfortunately, Jim was in a losing effort. And um, and of all the names uh, that it could have fallen to, um, considering you know the. The, the glittering Hall of Famers that he's played with over the years. You think about Randy mm. Mosses and you think about Rob Gronkowski and, and, you know, whilst he's not a Hall of Famer, you know, Wes Welker uh, during his time there, Julian Edelman, go back further with uh, with some of the, 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 the receiving options he had in the early Super Bowl windows. But Cameron Brait, uh, a veteran tight end, being the, the one who grabbed that last touchdown pass, have to be that it, that would have to be perched somewhere on uh, on display at the uh, at the Brady residence. But, um Look, I don't know that it's his... Whilst he'd, he'd cherish it and look upon it, I imagine it's a bit of a poignant one because it was hardly a, uh, a dominant showing in that last outing <laughs> against the Cowboys. Now, things are getting interesting, aren't they? And speaking of the Cowboys... You know, it was only, what, a week ago we are talking about how well they were playing across all aspects of the game. Maybe they could sneak into that number one seed. And then they just got manhandled by the Bills, a very impressive Buffalo Bills too, in a game where, we should mention too, Laurie, Josh Allen only had 15 pass attempts. So now the division title, you know, still open. The Eagles, uh, the loss against, you know, Drew Locke and the Seahawks. Uh, How do you see the NFC East panning out over the last three weeks of the season? I couldn't have imagined that I would have still had the Cowboys above the Eagles in the power rankings after what yeah. happened uh, against Buffalo, but I do. Um, as bad a defeat as that was uh, to the to the Bills, and really the, the Bills did to the Cowboys what the Cowboys did to the Eagles the week prior. It was very similar in terms of a pill at a post-dominant um, performance. Dak probably did a little more and was asked to do a little more than Josh Allen, as you mentioned. You know, seven, seven passes, not registering, uh, you know, triple figures in the passing yardage and only 15 pass attempts, but you don't have to when James Cook is going for 7.2 yards of carry en route to 200-plus total yards from scrimmage. And it's not just him. Ty Johnson, who was deputising or, or stepping in um, in the backup role there, he ha- he's going for six yards of carry. And I was talking about it in the office the other day. You don't need to drop back because, really, the Buffalo Bills, if you're getting over seven yards of pop with one running back and six yards of pop with the guy who's coming in to give him a breather, Buffalo Bills against that Cowboys defence could have had a holding penalty on first down every time. Got back to first and 20, just run it twice with 
uh, with Cook and run it once with, with Johnson, and it still would have been a first down. You wouldn't even need to get the chain gang out to measure it. So the run defence is a huge problem for the Cowboys. That defence, the ball-hawking um, defensive backs like Deron Bland, who's, who's gained history and fame this season with some great play. Stefan Gilmore had a great game against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the pass rush, Micah Parsons, Marcus Lawrence, Osa, Jigizua and friends. They play from a lead. They want you to be one-dimensional. They want... You know, they want to get some stops early, Dak and the offense to just get a couple of touchdowns on the board and then force you to be one-dimensional, pass, 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 and then they can tear after you with their pass rushes. They're not built to stop the run when they're giving up a big lead. That's partially by where they've invested. There's also something, some, you know, some injuries have paid a big part. The two top linebackers are out for the season, Leighton Vanderesh, the veteran, and, and a guy who didn't even get on the field but was tearing up um, training camp, Demarvian Overshone, D. Overshone, who was a, they had huge tips on him as a, as a, a massive rookie con- contributor, both out for the season. So linebacker's in trouble. Hankins, their starting defensive tackle, nose tackle, he's out with a high ankle sprain, and the safety plays dropped off. So you talk about spine of the defense. The middle part of that defense is just, it's really been battered and bruised, and they're not built to, they're honestly not built to stop the run. And that's something that, Teams like, hey, the Miami Dolphins up next. Hey, the Detroit Lions, right after that, they love to run the ball. They, and they've got the talent to do it. So big questions to be asked are the Cowboys. They're also the home record is, you know, 15 straight victories. And the road record is far from that. And, the, and as their position now, even with the Eagles lost to the Seahawks, they're going to need the Eagles to slip up either against the, you know, frisky Cardinals or tw- in one of two games against, uh, you know, Tommy Cutlet. Um, who I also heard the other nickname for him is Marinara Mahomes, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> they're going to need to slip up from the Eagles and they're not going to need to sweep their way home. And, and I mentioned that's two tough matchups in the next two weeks uh, against the Dolphins and the Lions. But I think I have more faith in the Cowboys as a whole unit right now because I think they played to a higher ceiling than the Philadelphia Eagles for the Eagles. Issues on defense galore. You're getting mixed messaging out of Nick Sirianni about who's calling, what scheme, who's the defensive caller. You've got Matt Patricia, the king of the pencil in the air, who's got his hands on some of the play calling now, but he's not calling his scheme. It's very confused there. And, and on offense, as good as their running game is, as strong as the offensive line is, Hertz isn't seeing the field well. They're not, un, they're not uncorking much deep. Those deep completions that have been so important for him, um, you know, through his rise and his ascension as a franchise quarterback, they haven't been there, and he's struggling to see the field in the shorter areas, and um, you can see the frustration that's kind of palpable throughout that Eagles passing attack. Two monster cross-conference games this weekend, 49ers, 49ers and Ravens, and I know you like Baltimore. Maybe this is a Super Bowl preview, Laurie. And then Dolphins v Dallas. Uh, your thoughts more generally on cross-conference games so late in the season? And secondly, how do you see them going? I love cross-conference games this late in the season because it does give us a chance to, you know, it's fun when, you know, you're playing division rivals in conference games because it does impact your conference record, your divisional standing. So some of them can almost feel like one and a half games. But when it's playoff contenders, it really does give us... It's it's not just an appetizer, it's a preview in a really significant way of what these teams could do against the best. Um, and you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about San Francisco and Baltimore, you know, in prime time on ESPN, you mentioned it could be a Super Bowl preview. This was my pick for the Super Bowl. Now I had the um, my preseason pick was the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the 49ers. And I think if those two went head-to-head, 49ers might be the one giving away some points on the market. But um, in fact, for this game, you've got San Francisco. I'm sitting there at tab right now to dollar 44, which is pretty short against a good team like Baltimore. But 
More importantly is that it gives us an opportunity. We've seen what San Francisco have done against Dallas, against the Eagles, supposedly the cream of the crop um, in terms of uh, other NFC contenders. But Baltimore are a really talented defense with playmakers at every single level, and they're well-coached and they're well-schemed, and they they, they are diverse and they can be aggressive and they can throw different looks at you. This gives us a bit of a blueprint. How can the best... um, the best defenses out there, how can they throw something at San Francisco that perhaps other people in the NFC, maybe they don't have the talent of a Baltimore, but maybe there's some ideas, there's some disruptive ideas and schematics that they can learn from. I think this is a fantastic test um, against both these, you know, two teams that have undoubted Super Bowl aspirations. And on the other side of the ball, what do Baltimore throw at the San Francisco defense to keep them on the back foot? What can Lamar Jackson do? What can uh, the, the... Still somewhat unheralded, but improved passing game. Um, What can they do, the passing weapons there, to challenge the San Francisco 49ers defense? That I think the Cardinals showed a little bit that, look, they were were outplayed, they were outhandled, but they kept this thing with one score. And I think the the misdirection, the motion, I'm calling it eye candy, that they threw at the 49ers defense just to keep them on their back foot a little bit. It gave us a little little preview of what teams perhaps could do to try and do something uh, to slow down the the 49ers defense. Um, So more of that interesting stuff to follow. And I'm happy we get these cross-conference matchups at this point. It does get... I don't love looking at a schedule and seeing, oh, Philadelphia and New York play each other twice in three games. Uh, It it feels too close. Um, And and I'd like to see those contests and those teams play each other at different points of the season when rosters are in different states of health. And just lastly, very quickly, Laurie, you've got the wild card race on as well. Uh, a couple of big games this weekend Saints, Rams, Bengals, Steelers, Colts, Falcons. Can you see any surprises in these matchups? I think there's so much pressure on that Falcons team. I would, I'm happily leaning towards Indianapolis in that one. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Falcons team. But the way that division has gone, the NFC South, um, it's. Um, it's the, the heat is on that head coach uh, with what's happened on offense, what's happened with the weapons they've invested in. Um, and I think, you know, the Falcons have already had some slip-ups, big one last week against the Panthers. Um, they let that division get out of, you know, get out, they've slipped off the pace already. Um, I think that could be causing a big, big, big conversation um, in that franchise around head coach Arthur Smith. And, you know, looking down, you mentioned some of those other playoff permutations there. You know, what can Minnesota do to, against Detroit? Minnesota is still in this thing. Um, and they've had some quarterback moves and changes, but uh, Detroit super impressive. Can they stack? Um, they play, this is another time, they play Minnesota twice in the next three weeks. Can Detroit, returning to form, stack some wins on wins on wins? And can they be the team that emerges and says, hey, you know what? Um, not only do we handle someone familiar in Minnesota and, and bring their season to an end prematurely for them, but maybe we're the, the best threat uh, to knock off the 49ers and the NFC side of things. Comprehensive, as always. Thank you, Laurie. Always good to chat. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And there is Laurie Harris from ESPN talking all things NFL. Woo. 0457 736 736. We'll take a break. Reset things on summer mornings.